What's up? This is episode 51, Pain Points of Wealth. You can't stop this market. We can't stop this market. The market is literally at all-time record highs every single day. And we got some news from the Fed signaling that they're not going to raise interest rates anytime soon, a very bullish sign, which means the world is going to stay awashed in cash. And the Delta variant of the coronavirus seems to be slowing down a little bit as we're recording this, giving us some light at the end of the tunnel with what's going on with the economy. We're going to give you our playbook right now, what we see, what's going on, where you should invest your money. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about literally every age of your financial life, whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, what you need to be thinking about at every stage of the journey to make sure you're going to be financially independent. Check it out. We got a great show. Let's hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey guys, you're not kidding. Record highs. How about the S&P? 4,500. Now, to put that in perspective, when we launched paying capital management back in the dark days of 2008, 2009, the S&P was at 666. Hey, Chris, how's that for an ominous number? It doesn't get any more ominous than that, Dad. That's the sign of the beast or the sign of a bear market. Chris likes those demonic signs. I remember he had his whole bedroom painted in black back when we were kids, very goth. But you know, if you look at it, I remember back then, actually, and we remember we started our firm, it was a really dark time. I mean, I remember sitting at, our, at my desk. We were working out the back of somebody else's office because we just started our firm. And on that 666 day, everything was just very, very quiet. And you just felt like the world was going to end or something like that. It was actually, it was pretty crazy. Well, your time, it could have been better, Rye. You left Merrill Lynch and came over and we formed Paying Capital Management together. And of course, two weeks later, Merrill Lynch went bankrupt. Now, I'm not sure if they made some bad financial decisions or it's because they lost you, but you know, we'll let everybody else figure that out. But how about the NASDAQ, guys? 15,000 on the NASDAQ. That was at 5,000 when the tech bubble burst back in 2000. It's triple, 300% higher now. You know, what's even more remarkable than that is the Russell 2000, which is your small companies, right? And small companies are more sensitive to what's going on in the economy. They had a huge move last week, which kind of goes into what we've been talking about, this re-rotation going on, right? The beginning of the year, you had your more cyclical stocks. We talk about like financials, energy, industrials did really, really well, and money came out of tech and growth. And then the last couple of months, growth in tech kind of led the party again, but now you're getting a re-rotation back into those more cyclical stocks. And it has a lot to do with the fact that we had a little slowing in this recovery because of this. COVID, like the Delta variant, but now that's starting to dissipate a little bit. So money's starting to go back into those more economically sensitive stocks. Well, you know, what's really interesting about that is I've looked at a couple of different portfolios from some prospective clients over this past week, guys. And one of the things I pointed out was that they're missing those categories, you know, those small cap stocks, you know, they're missing out on that. And that's really true for probably 99% of you out there is that you don't own those things in your portfolios. Hey guys, got a pop quiz for you. If you go back over the last hundred years, the financial markets, and you look at all the different ways you can invest in different styles and capitalizations of the stock market, both here and abroad, what is the best performing asset class over that 100-year period? It's absolutely small cap values outperformed everything. It's amazing. And guess what? We look at 50 different portfolios, prospective new clients every single month, 
and only 1% of those portfolios have even a dime in small cap value. You know, it can't be all tech all the time and the best opportunity in the history of the markets most of you don't own. Yeah, I mean, my biggest gripe is this, right? I mean, all we've been hearing about is, and I don't want to discount the fact that we've had this higher level of cases of the coronavirus and this Delta variant is very, very serious. And there's this big belief that people aren't going to get vaccinated and this is going to be around for a long time. But, you know, the way I see it is every company in America is going to force you to get the vaccination or you're not going to be allowed to go to work. If you're the government, you work for the government, the government's going to force you to get the vaccine. Like, I'm not going to say the government's going to mandate it. And I'm going to say this is right or wrong, but you can see the wind of change coming where people are going to get forced to get it. And if they're forced to get it, that means this COVID cases are going to go down dramatically, which means the economy is going to be fully reopened soon, which is very good for stocks. Like, it just seems like such an obvious point. Yeah, but guys, you know what? Investing is so counterintuitive. That's why it's so hard. You know, you see these headlines blaring. You know, it scares you to think, wow, this Delta variant's out of control. And you think the market's going to react, but the market doesn't care about what's happening today. It looks forward. And that's why it's so difficult, you know, because people see these headlines. Let's take Zoom, for example. You know, Zoom came out with a quarterly revenue number over a billion dollars for one quarter. It's best in history. How'd the stock react? It went down 16%. Well, I mean, this is exactly what we talked about on this podcast a year ago. You know, we had said that all these work from home stocks were probably fully valued because we were realists. You know, the vaccine news had already come out and we knew that we were going to be in this place 12 months later and the stock market knew it too. That's why they all peaked out a long time ago, right? They've done awful this year, those work from home stocks. And to your point, Bob, it's because the market is already pricing in things ahead of time. And it's like, no matter how many times we say it, it just seems like investors never really understand that. Or it never really sinks in, I guess, is a way to say it. Hey, Chris, you know, my number one market indicator is your brother. I know that Peloton's already been put down to the basement for storage. <laughs> well, you know what, Dad? It's sitting right next to that Nordic track collecting dust. Yeah, that's what the market does. It's not thinking about what's happening right now. Where do you have to wear a mask? Who's vaccinated? Who's not vaccinated? It's looking forward out a year, maybe two years to see what the economy is going to be like then. You know, don't think about the now. Think about the future and try and factor them in. That's why it's so hard to time the market. It's ridiculously hard to time the market. It's why most people who time the market fail. It's time and patience. There's a reason why Warren Buffett's the richest man in the world. It has nothing to do with gaming the market. It's all about being an investor. And speaking of the future, the one other pet peeve I have right now is, and again, like this is a big problem. The government is printing trillions of dollars and everyone's like, how is this going to end? This has got to be a problem that we're just going to keep printing money. Well, first off, we don't know yet, right? We're recording this right now. We don't know how much more money the government's going to actually print. But when you start thinking about the economy, the underlying themes going on right now are just so overly bullish and no one's really talking about it. Every time these coronavirus cases come up and things lock down, that's only pent up demand for later. You've got you know, all of these different companies having to rebuild their inventories. And one of the more interesting statistics I found is we had a record amount of new businesses formed last year in the US, along with household formations at like peak levels. You know, Everyone's starting families right now as well. These are huge tailwinds for the economy that can last for a very, very long time. Well, Chris, you know, you're our expert on millennials because you are one. And that's what's happening. You know, it's like nobody realizes that the millennial generation is bigger than the baby boom generation. And they're all buying homes. They're all making a lot of money in their careers. And when you buy a home, you know, all of a sudden you need new furniture, you need new appliances, you need new everything. And then along come the babies. And there's uh, lots of money being spent in the economy. The market's already anticipating that. Well, you know what, Dad? I was talking to one of my buddies. He's also a client and they just bought a new house. And he said that 
they're having trouble getting appliances in their kitchen. They can't get a dishwasher. And then I talked to another friend of mine who uh, is trying to buy a new car. And he said that they decided against it because not only can't they get a car, but the dealership wants them to pay MSRP because everybody else is doing that right now. That's incredible. Yeah. Pay full retail. Oh my God. That'll never happen in this household. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I don't believe that. (laughs) Right. I think the last time dad bought a new car, I think he called every single dealership in the continental United States. We did call him Retail Bob as kids. No one gets sold more than the greatest salesman of all time, Bob Payne. You know, a good salesman can sell Bob anything. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, salespeople have to make a living too. You know, I'm just a very kind, big hearted person. Bob always had the most high-end technological advances in stereo equipment. And, you know, the salesman would brighten up when Bob would come in because they knew they're going to sell him the best stuff out there. So we had CDs for anyone, just saying as kids. (laughs) And those are compact discs for those of you who are not in the know. Yeah, don't tell everybody all my secrets, guys. But I'll tell you what I'm impressed with. What I'm impressed with is consumer. It's like almost like a big lesson was learned in the last couple of years. Now, consumers are flush. Household wealth is the highest it's ever been. And debt's down to one of the lowest in years. That's again, it's against the narrative that you're hearing out there. People don't realize since we had the great financial crisis, you know, Americans became way more conservative with their debt. And, you know, a lot of these stimulus checks that we saw a lot of the Americans get last year and when they couldn't spend money, they paid down debt in droves. So you've got a fiscally responsible American consumer, which is like unheard of. They got like something like $2.5 trillion in excess savings since the pandemic started, thanks to Uncle Sam for printing so much money. But it's not like they're just spending it like drunken sailors. So these are like really good long-term tailwinds, again, to use that same term, for the outlook for the economy, not just for the next couple months, but the next couple years. Yeah, I mean, right to your point about people saving. I mean, I see that in with our own clients. You know, right now I've got a couple of clients that for the last like three, four years, I've really hammered on them about getting some more cash put away. And they both worked through the pandemic and they're spending about half as much as they spent before. And they're really finally starting to get track on savings. So, I mean, that statistic is absolutely true. Yeah. So, what I'm hearing, guys, is the stock market is kind of like a duck, right? It's real calm on the surface, but it's paddling very ferociously under the surface, you know, because there is volatility. Oil dropped 15% from August 1st and then rallied 12%. All right. Small cap stocks were down 9%, almost a correction. And now they're back pressing on new highs. So the key is don't game the market. Don't try and time the market. You can't predict these things over a two week, three week, couple of day period. The key is be diversified across those different asset classes. Have patience, create wealth, think like Warren Buffett. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 51, Pain Points of Wealth. We've had the podcast going for a year. Thank you for your support. If you like our podcast, love our podcast, please give us a like, put a comment. If you're seeing this on iTunes, give us that five-star rating, share it with a friend. And if you're watching this on YouTube, click the like button. You can subscribe to our channel. If you click that little notification bell, you can be updated when our new Pain Points of Wealth comes out every week. Thanks for the love. And again, it helps us create more content, the more love you give us. Okay, gentlemen, this is the tipping point where we pinpoint the pain point, P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, as we often discuss, financial planning is a journey, not a destination. You know, with the 2,000 or so families that we manage here at our firm, Pain Capital Management, we found that each age that you happen to be in represents an important landmark as it relates to your financial independence. So I thought we could just talk about when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond what you should be thinking about at those different stages of your financial journey. Well, you know, guys, when you're in your 20s, that's the hardest time to invest because you're trying to buy a car, you're trying to buy a house or rent an apartment, you're just starting out in your career. 
but it's the best time to get into the habit of automating your savings. Biggest problem is when you're 20, you never think you're going to be 70. Well, I remember when uh, I just got out of college in my first job, and I think, Dad, you called me every single day the first month that I was employed to get signed up for the 401k. Chris, it's not just the 401k. It's also now you have health savings accounts. If you have children, it's 529 plans. These are all great ways to grow money, either tax-free, tax-deferred, you know, to get the government's money working for you, as opposed to just sending the money related to the IRS, hoping someday that you'll get it paid back in benefits. You know, it's just a great time to be a saver. Well, I think it's like, keep it simple in your 20s too. First off, pay off that debt if you have student loans, any sort of like high credit card debt, like get rid of it ASAP. That's number one. But I do like that idea of automating, right? Maybe it's 100 bucks, 50 bucks a month, just something that's going away for you. And I think the big mistake, and Chris, you talked about this on the show last week, where you're talking to some dude up in uh, Newport, Rhode Island that said like, hey, I'm not working right now. I'm just trading stocks. Well, that's probably going to end bad. I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say that's probably going to end bad. But owning some low-cost, boring, diversified indexes that you just automate into and you don't think about, that's probably the best thing you can do in your 20s. You know, Bob, you were just talking about in the first segment today, the S&P 500 was at 666 over a decade ago. Now it's at 4,500. You know, you didn't have to be that smart. You didn't have to go out and speculate on stocks and make that kind of money. So I think really making it simple for yourself in your 20s, get the savings down, buy some boring diversified indexes, you're going to be really happy once you hit your 30s. And you know, just to be clear about that, you know, when you're talking about automating your savings, that's not just about putting money into cash. And Ryan, you did say this, but it's really about supercharging your savings, making sure that money gets automatically invested into those low cost indexes. Because think about it, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're probably going to have the lowest expenses of your entire life. So you should be able to save as much as possible at that point. And don't forget, small cap value is the best performing asset class in history. If you're near your 20s, maybe you should put it all right there. Put it all in red. It's not crypto, Bob. I'm shocked. So how about your 30s? Your 30s, you know, typically at that point, you start to create a little more wealth. You're starting to be a little further along in your career. Money starts to get bigger and the decisions you have to make get probably a little more serious. Well, first of all, you got to make sure that you have a plan, right? When you're 30, you're well on your way. You're on your path, as my sister likes to say. So you really want to have a plan for not just your creation of wealth, but also preservation of wealth and your estate plan. You want to have a will when you're in your 30s. Well, you know, guys, I was talking to a client of mine recently. He's 35 years old, just got married. They had their first kid. They bought a house. They basically did everything at once. And one of the things that I observed is going through their financial plan is that they didn't have a will or an estate plan. And their first comment to me was like, well, why do I need that now? I mean, this is for stuff that's way off in the future. But the reality is it's not really about you. It's about your heirs and making it easier for them when it comes time that you walk off God's green earth. Yeah, because you start having a family in your 30s now. Like You have to really think about what happens to your estate if maybe you and your spouse get in an accident or something. I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen. The other thing to think about too is you need more life insurance when you're younger. No matter what those insurance salesmen tell you, if you have young kids, you have a mortgage and you got to pay for education, that's when you want to have a couple million bucks of insurance. And that's why a term insurance policy makes more sense. A lot of these insurance policies, they get bigger as you get older. But if you're saving and you're growing your wealth and then eventually your kids are educated, your mortgage is gone, you don't need insurance when you're older, you need it when you're younger. And that's not how it gets pitched. But it's an important time to have a lot of insurance and do it as cheaply as possible. And that's renting the insurance with like a term policy. Hey, Rye, you know what? It's not just about income replacement. It's also about how do you set up the beneficiaries? What if you both spouses are gone? You want all that money going to minor children. You want to be certain that you have the right guardian name. And you mostly, you want to be certain that you have a trustee 
that can oversee the management of that money until they reach the age of majority. That's right. And then when you get into your 40s, the stakes only get higher. This is when you are thinking about like streamlining your finances. You may have a couple old 401k plans because you've been through a couple different employers. You may have an advisor who's giving you advice on your IRAs. You may have a brokerage account over here with somebody else. But consolidating those finances and getting a more what I would call streamlined game plan, that's kind of the key when you get into your 40s to really lock down your finances. And not only that too, Rai, but also like a lot of my friends, I'm in my early 40s, their kids are getting pretty close to going to college. You know, I've got a couple of friends whose kids are five to eight years from going away to school and really starting to focus on concentrating adding money to something like a 529 plan, a plan that grows tax advantage to be able to pay for college. You know, that's what it is, guys. When you're in your 40s, you're starting to make the most money you're going to make in your career, right? So you're usually at the top of your game. But you know what's interesting is the 40-year-olds today typically had three or four jobs. They switch. There's no loyalty to a company which is great because it shows they have a lot of confidence and they move around, but they end up leaving assets all over the place. And there's no way to manage that unless you consolidate it under one roof. And that's something that you really want to think about is consolidating your wealth at that point. And looking at risk, right? The other thing is now you're actually kind of in the middle of your career and maybe like the middle of the way to what we would call financial independence. You don't want to just have all your money at risk anymore. You want to start to lock in some of your gains and start to think about more diversification than maybe you had in your 30s. Because you know these market downturns would happen once in a while. You want to start to preserve of some of what you've saved because probably money in those retirement plans are probably becoming a bigger part of your nest egg now. So you have to be more conscious about how all that money is being invested. Another critical point. Well, as they say, the closer you get to the sun, the hotter it gets. And that's when you get into your 50s and what we call the financial red zone. Hey, Chris, you couldn't be more correct. I mean, that's a time where you're able to really start to maximize your contributions to everything. And Sometimes you can't do it when you're younger, right? You have cost of education, cost of feeding your family, cost of buying cars and living your life. So in your 50s, you want to make sure that you catch up on everything, that you're prepared for the day where you're not going to have that paycheck coming in any longer, what we call the income gap. You got to think about that gap. How are you going to fill that gap? Well, it kind of reminds me of that chart that we used to show dad at the 401k meetings where if you put 100 bucks a month into a 401k plan, you'll be a millionaire by the time you're 65. Versus if you start saving in your 50s, you have to put $1,000 away a month to be a millionaire by the time you're 65. Yeah, that's what happens. It's a lot of financial procrastinators I've met in my career, and they didn't do what they're supposed to do in their 20s, 30s, or 40s like we just recommended. 50s is the time to catch up, to wake up. It is a big wake-up call. You know, That's the time to be certain that you're putting a fine point to all of your goals, your dreams, and your financial independence date. Yes. And then we get down to 59 and a half into your 60s. At this point, retirement's either right around the corner or you're actually retired now. And you know, if you're at this point, your 401k or retirement plan is probably a huge part of your net worth. And the nice thing is if you're 59 and a half, for a lot of these plans, you can do what we call an in-service distribution. You can actually roll the money out of the plan with no tax, put into an individual retirement account for yourself, and you can actually invest it more customized. Because the problem with a lot of these 401k plans is you have a limited menu of options. A lot of times they're high in fees and you don't get the customization that you start to need because now you're at a point where you're going to be living off the land very, very soon if you're not already. This is also a good point in time, right, to start looking into things like Roth conversions because before you know it, at age 72, you have to start taking money out of those pre-tax accounts. Ideally, you really want to start to get money into a Roth to help save some of that potential high income that you're going to get from those distributions. And Chris, right now is the best time ever because right now taxes are still relatively low. This would be a good year for you to convert some of your retirement account money 
into a Roth IRA because with all these trillions of dollars the government's spending, I don't know, I don't want to be cynical, but I do think that we are going to be paying a lot more in taxes come next year to pay for all this debt. So it is probably a good year to look at that, especially if you're in your 50s right now. Talk to your financial advisor, talk to your certified public accountant, your CPA, talk to them together. But like, you know, someone should be addressing this for you because this is a big year to make decisions about taxes on your portfolio. But you know, guys, the major thing as you get into your 60s is you have to start thinking differently. You're going from wealth accumulation to wealth distribution. You can't have the strategy of the last 50 years any longer. You have to have the strategy for the next 50 years. And you've got to really start to think about income as opposed to capital gains and capital appreciation. Very difficult for a lot of people. But you know what? These corrections that come, you know, they're okay when you're Chris's age or your age, right? They're not okay when they're my age. You want to make sure that your position for distribution, not accumulation when you're in your 60s. And to use my favorite catchphrase, you get a better outcome with income. Clever. Yeah. So just to wrap things up here, I mean, you can see yours is critical if you're in your 20s, your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond is whatever stage in your journey you are, you have different issues that need to be addressed. Start addressing these issues now because the quicker you do it, the quicker you're going to be on that path to financial independence where you're living life on your terms and you get to a position where you have that go to hell money. That's what it's all about. I know what this really points to is my pet peeve. You know, there's no financial education being done in high school, in college. We've got kids coming out with PhDs and masters. They have no basic financial literacy. You know, that's something that I've always wanted to work on. This is kind of our contribution to all of you. So if you have children who don't have money, who are just coming out of college and they're in their 20s, have them listen to the pain points of wealth. The whole idea is to educate them so they'll be wealthier. They won't have the problems we all had growing up. It'll make it easier for them. You know, this is our contribution. Let's make sure we get them to listen. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day, for better or for worse. Anything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach and you want a more holistic plan and you've saved over $750,000 for retirement or your financial independence plan, we'll put together for you a full review with no cost. We'll literally do a full audit of every investment that you own. We'll look at the taxes you're paying, the fees you're paying. We'll figure out how to optimize all of that on your portfolio. We'll do a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right path to financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. That's www.paincm.com slash financial plan and see if you can get one of our complimentary financial reviews to ensure you're on track for your path to financial independence. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 51, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, help us continue to do it by getting the good word out there. Click on that like button, subscribe to our channel, send it to a friend. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can subscribe, click that little notification bell. So every single week, you know when our new episode comes out. All right, gentlemen, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Okay, Bob. YouTube finance gurus have becoming a modern phenomenon. One influencer, his name is Meet Kevin, has a following over 1.7 million subscribers. Most days he live streams on the platform for several hours talking about the stock market and doling out investment advice. He was a real estate broker only two years ago. Hey, he sounds like a guru to me. I mean, geez, two years of investing in the stock market. 
If that gives you guru status, oh my goodness, what's that make us? I completely discount Bob's 45 years. This guy, I would totally take his advice over Bob. But I think what's scary about this is a lot of these quote unquote gurus out there right now that have large followings have never been in a bear market. (laughs) So to me, that's a very scary place to be because guys, as we know, those bear markets are vicious. You kind of want the veteran when the you know what hits the fan. Chris, with many thousands of housing developments springing up across America after World War II, with ownership rising from 61.9% in 1960 from only 43.6% in 1940, by 1979, the average cost of a house went to $70,000 compared to $2,500 at the depression low. I'll tell you what, right now feels like that housing boom after World War II. Every time I go to a different city, I see cranes all over the place. Whenever I go to visit dad down in Naples, there always seems like there's a new development going up. So I would say we're probably in another housing boom at this point. Chris, man, we appreciate your infinite wisdom and traveling around the world to tell us what's going on. There was no sarcasm there. I'm just saying Chris travels a lot. Okay, Bob, if the US taxes all Americans at 100%, There will still be an $8 trillion federal budget deficit. I think our deficit here is a problem, Bob. Hey, what an inconvenient truth. If you confiscate all the billionaires' money today, we won't even meet the current spending proposals. That's very unfortunate when you run out of billionaires. So if the billionaires don't have any money to pay the taxes, guess who they're coming for, guys? You're looking at them. Taxes are going higher. So do your tax planning this year. Don't wait. Okay, Chris. Dude, you're getting a Dell. Before the pandemic, the average American household had barely more than one computer, which didn't cut it for the typical family of four. This has caused a personal computer boom. Sales rose 13.1% in 2020, with a 14.2% jump expected for 2021 in laptop sales. Wow. Well, I think that 1% plus jump was directly attributed to paying capital management because I feel like I bought a brand new computer for every single person at the firm this year. Chris, it really speaks to the supply chain. When we were getting Dells two, three days after you ordered them, now it takes two months. Pretty amazing. Well, just if you're wondering what happened to that dude, you're getting a Dell guy. He was their spokesman, but then he got arrested for smoking marijuana and they stopped using him in ads. So just another fascinating fact. Sounds like he got out at the high, right? (laughs) (laughs) Clever, Bob. All right, another great show today. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at bebullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.